I have been watching a lot of Hamilton recently. And have you heard this joke? I don't know. Maybe. Um, <laughs> what's why did uh, Thomas Jefferson invent the swivel chair after he finished writing the Declaration of Independence? Why? Because he's really into revolutions. <laughs> Come on, that's pretty good. That's <laughs> did pretty you make good. that up on your own, or did you find that? Um, I don't know. I feel like I. I think that's too good for me to come up with myself. Yeah, that definitely exists somewhere in the world. <laughs> but like, I don't remember where I saw it. But anyways, <laughs> that's, that's not a bad one. I like okay. Welcome to episode 23 of Quarter Life Crisis. I am your host, D-Rec, the venerated Virginian veteran whose men are all lining up to put me upon a pedestal. Here with me, as always, is a bit of a flirt, but I'm going to give him a chance. He's penniless. He's flying by the seat of his pants. Hunty Stempy, how you doing, buddy? I take back what I said a couple weeks ago. That is the most accurate description of me I've ever heard. (laughs) I'm doing okay i'm i'm tired today for some reason don't know why i haven't done anything you're probably exhausted by bad opinions about (sighs) spider-man that really did tire me out denby calling you out you suck you suck (laughs) (laughs) um so to wake you up or put you asleep i don't know what you drinking tonight probably is gonna put me asleep so i went through my fridge and i found uh, i have two of these left it's the flying dog mint condition it's a mint chocolate stout it's not as good as it sounds it's really it's really unfortunate but it's not a bad taste i will probably won't buy it again but like it, it was okay I like it. Just thinking back to the, the six packs of mint tea that Joe and I got for three bucks a piece that I still cannot believe. Um, myself, I uh, also raided my fridge because I haven't been to the liquor store in a few weeks. And so I had three things it, that I could drink in my fridge that were mine. Um, I did not want to drink a White Claw and I did not want to drink a Twisted Tea. So I had myself an Angry Orchard. Ooh. And um, usually these Classic. things are too, too sweet for me, but I'm going to power through it because... Um, I needed some, I needed some, uh, not citrus. What's in, what's in apples? I need some fruit in my life, I guess. I don't know. Uh, wait, that's not citrus. It's, uh, all I know is they're crisp, but that's not a thing. That's not like a, what you're talking about. <laughs> that's a description of the- I know, I know. That's the only word that's coming to my brain, but whatever. I mean, I was, you, you pulled out the angry orchard and I was like, wow, you're classy, bougie, yet somehow ratchet. <laughs> Am I a savage? Is that the next thing you're going to say yeah. about me? Um, <laughs> I, the only memory I really have about Angry Orchards are uh, Joe drinking them when we went on our boys' trip and uh, oh, for man. breakfast because, quote, it's basically apple juice. That was two years ago, I think, yesterday. Was that two years ago? The day before. Yeah, it was, it was sometime this week. Oh, oh, no. I was talking about Nashville. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The, right. um, Ocean City weekend. Yeah, that was two years ago, a couple days ago. Yeah, because uh, both Emily and Sophie texted me about it. I forgot Sophie was there. Oh yeah, that was God. awesome, man. It was iconic. Shout out yeah, that's like the first time we like, I mean, she had like just started hanging out with us, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. we were like, Sophie coming out. She was like, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, shout out to Sophie if you're listening. Uh, so we don't have too many topics to talk about today, but they're going to take a while. Um, first of all, we got to finish what we started and uh, our introductions are probably a little bit of a spoiler of what we're getting into. Um, I forgot forgot we had to do this. (laughs) After watching 
finally seeing Hamilton, the production. I've already watched it three times now or four, three or four times now. And uh, I was, it was everything that I hoped it would be. And I was very excited about it. Um, so why don't we finish what we started and put our, uh, put our tier list abilities to the test and rank the songs of act two. I think we should really just try and make a run of it and see how many weeks in a row we can go doing a tier list and see when we eventually tap out. Dude, I could do a tier list every week. I have, I, a tier list. I have a tier so list. Random topics. I have another one ready for next week. <laughs> All right. We're set, man. Okay, cool. So we'll start off with our Hamilton act two tier list. Y'all know how this works. Uh, S is the highest, then it goes A, B, C, D. And our opinions are uh, non-refutable. So anything that we say absolutely goes. Correct. So first of all, uh, we are going to do the opening number of Act 2. What did I miss? Mm. Um, my brain tells me to put this in B, but I want to put it in A. So yeah, that's the thing. Like, It is definitely an exposition song, but it's just yeah. so like... It's so... It's so good, so though. Catchy. It's so I know, catchy. you're like, hey. Like, when he's, like, dancing on stage, you're like, yeah, I feel you, Doc, because David Diggs is a national treasure. And David we should... Diggs deserves so literally everything in the world. Um, so I don't know why my mouse is not plugged in, but I got to get my thing. Okay, cool. We're, we're good to go. Um, so, uh, it's up to you, man, because I also am in the same boat. I kind of want to put it – I want to put it in A, but I think I should put it in B. Mm. This tier list means nothing. Let's put it in A. Heck yeah. <laughs> Nothing's riding on it except our opinions. All right. The next one we got is cabinet battle number one. Mm, I like number two better than number one. Oh, uh, no, actually, no. Sorry. Scratch that. I like one better than two. I'd uh, say. I'll put one. I'll put one in A. Okay, cool. Perfect. Uh, the next one is take a break. And this one's hard because it's the same boat. It's like it's definitely an exposition song until the end. And then it kind of pops off. What happens at the end of this one again? When Angelica and Eliza basically team up on Hamilton and they're just oh, like, yeah, yeah. hey, take a break. And the, uh, their voices just mesh really well together. Because you know, I'm honestly, sorry, I don't care about Philip until until blow us all away. I don't yeah, care about I mean, him. he's. A, <laughs> I am a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> well, he um, was like, the Dear Theodosia was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then he basically disappears except for that one bit and take a break. And then he dies. So. Anthony Ramos gets the, the rough end of the stick in this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, honestly, I want to put it in C. I'm, I'm down with that. Because, like, I feel like, their, voice, like their, their, their duet at the end is so powerful, but it doesn't overmatch the rest of the song. Fair enough. Uh, next, we got Say No to This. The song about cheating on your wife. Hmm. Oh, Jasmine Cephas Jones is so good in this one, though. That's the uh, thing. She's, in my opinion... She's like the only good part about this song. Not only, but like if she makes a mess song into an okay song in my Quick opinion. sidebar. Have you seen the stand-up where it's a woman comedian? I forget what her name is, but she uh she basically dissects this song and is like, Hamilton, she's not giving you consent. Like, stop this. Because when he says like her body looks so helpless, she's like, No, that's not what that means. And, it, and Lynn found it on the internet and retweeted it, and he was like, Yes, you are correct. <laughs> Katie, Katie read like a whole like history of the situation. It's nuts. It's like, cr- like his life is just nuts. So it's anyways, crazy. anyways, uh, I will um, say I no think, to this in B tier. I would agree with that. Okay, cool. Um, next we got what I would assume is the first S tier is the room where it happens. Easily one of the best songs in the show. I, I, I tweeted this out earlier, but I was like, um, cause Linda Mel Miranda, like say what you will about him, but he took, and meeting where the only public information about the meeting in history was the attendees 
and the outcome and he made a freaking banger out of it yeah and also like you can also look at it as kind of like a character development song for burr because he's finally telling us what he wants um (laughs) but leslie adam jr in that oh he's just so good in that song and like the, the last like 30 seconds are the whole the song itself shouldn't be a showstopper necessarily, but the last 30 seconds tie it all together and make it just an absolute fire song. So I'm going to go S tier on that as well. Sweet. Uh, next we got Skylar defeated, which is more ex- exposition. Yeah. I'm going to honestly, uh, uh, can we put that in D? Yeah. That's, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I was like, it's fine. Like it's like, it's kind of there. It wasn't there. It's whatever. Yeah. I mean, they could have just been like, by the way, Aaron Burr stole the seat. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Cabinet Battle 2. Mm, this one's, oh, this one's about, um, war with France. The, re- uh, the Re- French Revolution, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go, we put the other one in A. Yeah. I think, I think this one is like, I think this one's solely, cause, cause the talk about France doesn't really happen a lot, um, except for like, uh, hey, in Cabinet Battle 1, he's like, hey, you're a Francophile. Um, and then I guess there's that weird little exchange about Lafayette at the end. It's like, Hey, you said you'd have Lafayette's back. I mean, it's, it's funny just cause he is Lafayette. He is Lafayette. <laughs> but I think, I think the whole thing, the whole point of that song is to be like, uh, it's for Burr and uh, Jefferson and Madison to be like, Oh, uh, Washington's going to do whatever Hamilton says just cause he's yeah. Hamilton. Which like, like is like true, but like. I feel like it's a C. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm okay. Is it also like the rhymes are better in the first one? It's just it's the first yeah. one's just better all around. Like the Bars. part where he's like the, the part where he's like in the first one where he's like, uh, yeah, keep ranting. We know who's really doing the planting. I was like, damn, drop that mic. Drop right mic. Yeah. Turn around, bend over. I'll show you where my shoe fits. Hey. Mm, oh, so good. Um, next we have Washington on your side, which this, I would say is a solid B tier. Really, I was gonna, I was gonna venture for A on this one. I mm, let's have a discussion. The, the harmonies, the harmonies alone, I think, are really interesting and really smooth. Um, and also, it's just like Burr's ability to like play both sides of the field comes out in the song. I think, because he's like, "Look, I'm not for you. I'm for me, but I'm also we want the same thing." You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think that the the ending of the song, where they're like the the rhyme schemes in the whole song are crazy. Like at the it's. It's. I think it's an eight tier. To be dig. To be digs rapping. But like uh, like comes he's a difficult dissonance. Whatever he says at the end, like he's so good. And I think Dis- it's discipline dissonance. <laughs> yeah, that you know what I meant. Um, <laughs> no, I can't get that out. Um, um, okay, I'll, I, I can, I'll put that in A tier. I think it's an A tier. I I'll put that. I I really want to put it in B tier because they bleeped out the southern democratic Republicans. when i saw it on state when i saw it on broadway and they yelled it like the whole you can feel the theater was just like yeah <laughs> i i watched like i watched like a cover of it on youtube a couple years ago and it was like performed for like a high school talent show and they instead of um <laughs> they censored it by saying southern jeffersonian Def- democratic republican <laughs> i'm like oh that's great <laughs> that's great all right, let, the next one we got, which... Let high schoolers curse. Yeah, right. <laughs> let the Stranger Thing kids say the F word. <laughs> um, uh, the next one, it used to be my favorite song. Actually, it might still be. Um, one last time. And you know I'm advocating for S tier for this one. I'm going to agree with you it's an S tier song just because Chris Jackson has bars. Like, he's so Dude, good. Dude, like, I didn't... I, I, I figured that he'd come to it with a lot of emotion for, just from listening to the... Ooh, but watching yeah. him, like, sobbing after finishing that last note, that was wild. What a, and what a performer. Have you, 
have you seen the video of him doing it for the actual last time? Uh, no, I saw him doing to, it have, for Obama. Yeah, you have to look up when he does it for the last time because oh, his last Broadway performance, he literally like breaks down in the middle of the song. Like he can't do it. And I was like, oh God, so many I chills. I don't doubt he's it, a, man. I can't believe it. He's a king it. among kings. Go, good for him. <laughs> Next we've got, I know him. <laughs> I love the kid. Like, I think the song is sold by like the king's performance, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I'm going to go with B tier on that one. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think it's, it's, I don't know how I fit it among the other three, but I just think it's funny, especially oh, with watching the performance yeah, <laughs> when the bullet comes in and she, he's like, what? John Adams. And she starts <laughs> laughing at him. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> when he does that, that's that little guy. I'm like, yes. My, my favorite motif, well, not even motif, my favorite theme in this musical is when they just like crap on John Adams the entire time. Oh my God. And the, and the, <laughs> the fact that they're like, because he also like wasn't a good president, but whatever. Yeah. And he, uh, they, when they say in the beginning, I love how the founding fathers are like, yeah, the vice presidency is kind of BS. <laughs> well, tell, tell uh, Angelica, tell my wife, yeah, John Adams doesn't have a real job. <laughs> I was like, even the founding fathers know the vice presidency is BS. It oh, yeah. Especially, so at the, especially at the time when the person who came in second got it. Like, it's such a dumb rule. That's oh, so God. stupid. Imagine, ima- uh, never mind. Anyways, not yeah, getting into not real life politics here. Um, <laughs> next is the Adams administration. Um, I feel like that's a C or a D. Which I would put it in D just because of exposition. But if they had kept the rap in it that they cut, I'd put that in B or A tier. Holy crap, that rap is good. Yeah, I'd put it, honestly, let's put it in D. Yeah, I'll put it in D. Open letter to the fat. Okay, I'm not going to do it. Uh, next is We Know, which is, in my opinion, more exposition, but done in a very good way. Um, not enough to get it to a higher tier, but I'll put it in C instead of D. I agree. Cause, cause I, I do like, um, Hamilton's little rap at the end about like clearing his name and how everyone was just like, Whoa, dude, chill. Yeah, and they're like, okay, boss, you need to relax. <laughs> but, but my favorite part is when they do that callback to when, uh, he's reading the, when Hamilton reads the letter for the first time, but when Burr does it, when they get to the F word part, Jefferson goes, <laughs> his face is amazing. And then at the end when he's just like, my God. <laughs> oh God. The the one point I forgot to mention when we were doing watch it on your side, but when um when uh Jefferson's like staring Hamilton down and he's walking off and then Burr walks around him and starts singing and Jefferson's like looking around like where the hell did you come from? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> so good. Um okay, next is Hurricane. Hurricane? Uh and if it were sung by a professional performer, I'd give it an A tier, I think. But because it's Lynn Manuel Miranda, and uh, no hate to the guy because he's a genius, he's not like the the so, singing the melody of it is not that well, enticing. Okay, I don't want to like specifically be like, oh, we're doing the Lynn Manuel version of Hurricane. I just want to look at it overall. Well, that's still, all that I, I know, think, so that's the only way I can. I still think Hurricane is a B tier song, regardless. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was gonna. I don't I, think I, I think even like when I the guy I saw on Broadway like could sing flawlessly, and I was like, it's it's fine. It's fair. Okay, the cool, reason cool, the cool. song is so mesmerizing is because of its like the way it's presented. It's staging. Right. Oh, God. So next we have the Reynolds pamphlet. Again, another song that's built on staging. Um, because, like, I don't know if you noticed this, but David Diggs, when he, at the end, when he goes, have you read this? He hands it to the conductor down in the orchestra pit. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So um, I believe you mean uh, my boy Alex Lackamore. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> um, I, you know, because it's all distorted and weird. I don't really like that that much. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with C on that one. I, I can agree with that. It's it's very, it, it, it exists. If it, what, like, if this was a normal play, 
um, in that it was mostly like acting the and then book, songs yeah. intermittently. That wouldn't have been a song. So that's that's no. It would have been the narrator came out and gave you exposition. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, next one is burn. Huh. We're gonna get we're gonna get yelled at for people on this one. <laughs> I feel like um, I think that burn is an A tier song. Okay. Why would you why would you get yelled at for this? Because most people want to throw it in S. Like Burn is a very popular song. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, no. I wouldn't put it and in the S. The only reason is like uh I'm I'm assume we talked about this yesterday, but I assume you've listened to First Burn before, right? Yes, 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 yes. So First Burn is supposed to be what the original cut of Burn was. And I think it is more like vicious and more powerful. Right. I think Burn the way it's pres- the way it's written for the show is powerful in the sense that it's just like Philip like Eliza not even Philip Sue just Eliza's just like you know what I'm so mad I can't even like yell like I just I'm done like I can't do it. Right. I think that has some power to it and some weight and some gravity and like that's why it's an A tier song cuz it's just it, it cuts Hamilton at the knees but First Burn that version of the song is like especially when she's like when you thought you were mine at the end and it just says don't and that's how the song cuts off that's cool i'm like just the whole the whole previous version of it was so uh harsh and like so just like sticking a knife into a wound like i was like that's that's an s tier song for me i understand why they changed it but it doesn't make it a better song i think yeah fair fair um next is blow us all away which is a five minute exposition dump um eager how was the rest of your show <laughs> it's like i i i mean uh, I, I think it's a c tier yeah it's c it's it's not my because man i think one of, one of the underrated parts of that song was like the part where because this is one of the this is i think this is one of the songs where you see the subtlety of hamilton becoming more like burr and burr becoming more like hamilton this is where we start yeah. to oh, see yeah. that a little bit because there's a part when um philip is like talking really fast and hamilton just goes slow down and i'm yeah. like yeah i was like yeah dude like you just need to wait a second like chill out you know i would have put this in d tier but they um they're mean to new jersey so that's fine that is a great line <laughs> everything <laughs> is legal in new jersey everyone Which, knows it written by such a manhattanite <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> my mom heard that line when we watched it over the weekend and she was like yeah <laughs> um next we got stay alive the reprise i just <laughs> It's fine. It's, it's another exposition dump. It's D tier. <laughs> yeah, it's not the scream at the end. Just in the record, in the like uh, in the Hamilton film. Is shot, just yeah. like, Ugh, okay. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. I didn't like the scream that much. But, oh well. Um, next is it's quiet uptown. I uh, unironically think that's an A tier song. Um. Yeah. Do you want yeah, B tier? It just sucks because like the best singer, well, the second best singer in the show, in my opinion. Nah, maybe third. Um, Eliza doesn't have a lot to say well i think that's part that's i think but like that i know that's the point the point of the song is like you can't you, there's nothing to say but it's, it's like, but it's it's uh it's angelica being the burr of the moment <laughs> that was pretty funny nice. um and then uh ham and then hamilton who like is just on his knees is the whole thing like i mean i'll put it in a tier yeah. i love the whole i love what it represents as the thing but if we're like if we were going think, by just the quality of the song, that would be very low for me. I think, well, I think the thing is, is like, again, it's another song that's kind of like built on like how it, how it looks on the stage. So like when you just see Hamilton staring at Eliza and she's just stone cold staring out into the audience because she has nothing left. I was right. like, oh my God. Um, but I think, I think with the song, I, I don't have kids, but I think um, 
like I think I feel like they did a good job of like encapsulating or he did did a good job of encapsulating like what what is it like as a parent to lose a child and like how do you how do you verbalize that and the point is you can't you need someone else really to kind of help you with it um and it kind of like gives reason for uh like seeing why Hamilton finally decided I need to take a step on the back burner a little bit and like slow down and wait for it literally so I think the song is critical um I think that yeah like I think the point is like when, when my mom heard it she was like oh my god this is like rough this is emotional and I was like yeah I mean I don't know what it's like to lose a kid or even have kids so like I can't empathize with you but I think like I don't know. I think just listening to Angelica just sing it straight through and it's like, and then the chorus comes in. Oh, and when they say forgiveness at the end, Oh my God, it gets me every time. So a tier it is. On that note, um, next we've got the election of 1800 and we get back to politics. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, and I think I really like this song. I think I put it in B tier. Yeah. Um, the one thing I didn't notice ever on the soundtrack until I saw it was that Madison's actually crying about Hamilton dying because I think he does a good job of like, like Madison actually helps Hamilton with the Federalist Papers. And like, he actually like plays both sides of the field really well. Um, even though he's like BFFs with Jefferson, but yeah. I never realized, I thought it was just cause he was sick that that was what that noise was at the beginning. But then you see him like crying into the handkerchief. Yeah, and I was no, like, so good. It was really, it was really good. Um, next is your obedient servant, which like, I want to rank higher than I think I should. I agree with that. You know, because like I, I would like first gut reaction. I want to put it in A tier, but I don't think it deserves A tier. But I can't put it lower than B. I, I think it's a literal like above average song. I think it's a B tier song. That's well, that's a, like I just love like I, I think I love the juxtaposition of um of Burr kind of like being a little jubilant when he goes through like the bastard orphan son of a whore or whatever. In, at the beginning and then when he gets to a point where he like legit got screwed he's mm. like he gets like you can feel the ire and it's like ooh, okay burr's angry burr's I angry think, I, yeah also like backtracking a little bit at the end of election of 1800 i've never like leslie odom jr does such a good job in his performance that i felt so bad for burr when hamilton was like yeah jefferson gets my vote the look on his face i was like I, I'm gonna cry for you. Like I feel for you, even though you're not a great dude. I was like, yeah, he, he like super was just bad, so stoic, and then immediately yeah. went into like, like grass on a race, well run. Like that was yeah, so. Good. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Jesus. I was like, oh god, so much. Anyway, all right. The next is best of wise, best of women, and the world's gonna hate me, but this song is just unnecessary. Uh, I think it's exposition dump again. But also, the thing that gets me about the song is that, like, in actual letters to Eliza Hamilton. That's a direct quote, best of wives, best of women. Like mm-hmm. he literally wrote that to her. So that, that gets me in my heartstrings a little bit, but I feel yeah, like the whole I'm, point is like, I'm leaving to die. <laughs> it's, well, it's like, it's, well, one, it's the write a note to your next of kin. Right. That's what he's doing. And then at the same time, he's like, yeah, I'm glad I died on good terms with Eliza. Basically. He's like, before I screw this up more, I'm going to. Right. Like, he's like, I'm out. <laughs> okay. I would put it in D though, honestly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, next is the world was wide enough. Hmm. which the original title of this song was 10 things one thing better that they changed it (laughs) (laughs) uh you know i think that that's a because i have my opinions on the last one um the next song i think the world was wide enough is probably a b-tier song because the last like fifth the last like half minute 45 seconds when burr is like the world when burr realizes that he was wrong Mm. um isn't enough to make up for the first part of the song. The one thing that I will give it credit for is you that... You don't like the first part of the song? 
I just don't really like Tendul commitments in general. So like in the beginning when it's like very similar to it, I was like, eh, it's fine. Um, I don't know. I just didn't really like those songs, however they were, but man, I know I liked like the, uh, the, like when they were like describing the scene, that was a very clever way of doing it, it was like bring back Tendul commitments. I get that. Well, like, um, what, well, well, I, what about the Hamilton? Like I'm about to die. <laughs> that part I think is, is interesting. Um, and I think that it's like uh, kind of interesting how he's like, like, oh my, this is like they. I thought they showed your life flashing before you are, your eyes pretty well, um, but I don't know. Just overall, I was like, eh, it's fine. Like it's B tier, I think. Um, the one thing I will give it credit for is that Burr's last line to Hamilton is "Wait." Um, yeah, yeah, which, yeah, was, like, oh, whole, awesome. which was his whole mantra. Oh, and yeah. I never put two and two together until I saw it, like on a video on Twitter or something. Someone was like, his last word is "Wait," and if he had literally followed his own advice, he wouldn't have shot him. And I was yeah. like, yep. Well, I think it was, it might've been on, sadly, the Drunk History episode, but it was uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda that said it was the one time in their lives that Burr was reckless and Hamilton was cautious and it defined their legacies. So, which is wild. What, where did you want to put it? Um, I, I could put it, I, I could have put it in A, because um, I don't think it's an S-tier song, but I, I really like, enough. well, I, I like the drawback from Ten Dual Commandments, because I like that song. I like the drawback from his... Um, I imagine death so much it feels more like a memory, and then just the just the because you knew Hamilton was going to get shot the entire show. Yeah, I mean they like, but just like feeling the chills, like knowing that Burr immediately regretted what he did, it was great. But anyways, um, finally, who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Here's a hot take of the century. You don't like? I mean, it? I don't even know if this is hot. No, I do. I love it. I think it's an S tier song. Mm. That's what I was going to say. Okay, okay I was cool. like, I'm going to let you go on a rant. There are, some, there are some people that don't like this song, and I'm like, literally, why? Oh, my God, there's um, just so much to love about it. It's also, like, it's just, it's deeply haunting. It's like, oh, my God. Uh, it's, you know, when they talk about, when, one of the lines that gets me is, like, they're like, um, this, the whole theme of the show is, like, you don't have control over who lives, who dies, or who literally tells your story. And I think that they do a good job of, like, at the end, like, even Hamilton's enemies, they give him credit, even though they're still, like, we still kind of hate him, but we got to give credit where credit's due. And they all admit that like, this is kind of stupid that no one's ever talked about him because yeah. like we definitely should. Yeah. Um, I still think the best line is uh, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of it if I tried and I tried. I tried. <laughs> um, the, the part at the end where she talks about where Eliza talks about the orphanage. Because oh. cause it's like, that was his whole big thing was like, I am nobody's kid. Like I am my own person. I'm mm. my legacy is the one I create for the people below me, not coming top down, which so many of the people in the colonies, it was like, I have to live up to my father's name and like, or my, you know, my parents' legacy, et cetera, et cetera. Cause that's Burr's whole notion is like my parents' legacy is what I'm carrying on. Um, and so like the fact that she's helping all these like parentless children is like, good on you, Eliza. Um, okay. And that actually wraps it up. I don't know why I said there was more songs. Um, <laughs> to recap, uh, in D tier, we have Skylar Defeated, The Adams Administration, Stay Alive Reprise, and Best of Wives, Best of Women. In C tier, we have Take a Break, Cabinet Battle 2, We Know, The Reynolds Pamphlet, and Blow Us All Away. Mm-hmm. In B tier, we have Say No to This, I Know Him, Hurricane, The Election of 1800, Your Obedient Servant, and The World Was Wide Enough. In A tier, we have What Did I Miss, Cabinet Battle 1, Washington on your side, burn, and it's quiet uptown. And in S tier, we have the room where it happens one last time, and who lives, who dies, who tells your story. 
I always say this when we get to the S tier, but that's a dope collection of songs. It's a dope collection of songs. So it's, it's, it's just... What is your... happens is I, I saw a figure skater do her routine to the room where it happens. Once oh, so I was good. Like, didn't know you could do that, but that's dope. I do have a question for you, though, because this has gone around on the internet a lot since Hamilton Film dropped on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. What do you think Eliza's gasp means at the end of Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Her Story? I saw an interview with Lynn when he answered this question, mm-hmm. and he described it as... Um, it's a discussion we have with every Eliza and we kind of let her see what she wants to see to invoke the reaction. What I first thought it was when I saw it was um, her rejoining Hamilton and her family. Mm-hmm. But the way I want to see it now and the way that I think I, sh- I I'm going to see it for the rest of the time is her reaction is um, being shown breaking the fourth wall, being shown the audience and being shown that her story is being told. And I, you're making a face because you're a pretentious theater kid. But well, okay, okay. So I don't a hundred percent disagree with that. What I would, what I, I was afraid you were going to say that when she's looking at Hamilton, when they like are standing side by side um, is that she's looking at Lynn and not no, Hamilton. I dumb. hate that argument that's so dumb. much because my whole argument with that part is that like, what if Lynn's not playing Hamilton? your whole argument goes invalid there. I was like, yeah. it could be some random guy. I could get behind her seeing like the audience and being like, Oh, like they're telling my story, but they're also telling Hamilton's story. Cause like, cause she always asks, did I tell your story enough? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's one of the things is like, well, you did your best, but also no one really knows a lot about him except for what we have from this and this biography and very little bits and pieces. Um, I'm more of the mindset that she's literally like, cause Hamilton says it in uh, the world was wide enough when he's like, I'm seeing all these people that I loved on the, all my loved ones are on the other side waiting for me. I can see them. So I think that's what she's seeing. That's my interpretation is like, she's seeing Hamilton and anyone else in like her sister and her father on the other side. And that's what she's seeing. But I could vibe, I could vibe with that. She's seeing the audience and being like, Oh, the realization that my story is being told. Like I, I could see that, but if you took the jump and said she's seeing Lynn, uh, no, I don't. I argue. I, I saw somebody like explaining that whole thing, and then like eventually being like, "Yeah, he breaks character." I'm like, "No, Why? he doesn't. <laughs> he literally does." Also, I was like, "That that would make now, like you said, that would only make sense if Lynn was playing Hamilton at that time." Anyways, yeah. Also, the, the hot take is that like um, Lynn and Hamilton are like basically the same person, just not without the without the infidelity. Yeah, probably. Um, cool. So, uh, hopefully that kind of quells our Hamilton talk for the next few weeks. Uh, no promises. You're joking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's amazing. And sorry, we just spoiled an entire historical figure's life. Um, I remember like watching somebody react to the, uh, to the soundtrack and like hearing I'm the damn fool that shot him. And she was like, Oh, spoilers. I'm like, don't you know history? Like, bro, that's the, that's like the one thing everyone knows about Hamilton is that Aaron Burr <laughs> shot him. Exactly. My, my mom was like, when she saw it, she goes, yeah, I didn't really know anything about him other than he got shot by this guy. And I don't even know his $10 name. bill and yeah. he, he got shot. <laughs> yeah, literally. I was like, okay. Alrighty. So. The uh, last, next and last thing that I want to talk about um, is actually some, some we're going to get real. Uh, we have two topics today? We have two topics today. Um, we're going to get real. Uh, I feel like we've gotten negative the last few episodes, and we're going we're gonna to get some positivity in getting to know each other, you know? Um, so when I was in my first year of college, I, we had these classes, uh, basically how to live in college classes. And the thing that our teacher did was um, got this uh, th- this collection of questions from, I forget his name, Dr. Aaron something, or maybe his last name was Aaron. I don't know. 
but they were 36 questions to um what <laughs> you said 30 okay first of all i just 36 is a big number but i also thought of the tiktok from the harry potter movie when it's like how many are there and they're like 36 counted them myself I don't know Harry Potter. So. Dude, you definitely know what TikTok I'm talking about, but it's fine. No. Anyways, um, there are 36 questions to ask between two people to um, create intimacy between strangers. And spicy. I know. Um, so <laughs> what I did was I went and picked nine of them because there were three sets um, getting increasingly more personal between them. And I feel like we did our newlywed thing, which was a lot of fun. But let's also like, we've been friends for like two years. Yeah, you know? let's, let's, have, let's have a good conversation. Um, so I'm just going to like, we'll go through each question. We'll talk for a minute or so about it. And then, uh, mm-hmm. then we'll move on before so, you, before you start, when you just said have a nice conversation, I was like, fellas, is it gay to have feelings and talk about them? <laughs> Probably. It's, it's, <laughs> it's gay to take pictures of the sunset. apparently. So. Mm-hmm. And, and for anybody that doesn't know us, well, of course we're joking. We're, That's we're, a joke. It's not real. <laughs> it's the internet meme because, because men are extremely fragile about their sexualities. Um, anyways, Moving on, <laughs> first question in the uh, first set is, would you like to be famous? And if so, in what way? Okay, I feel like I'm super narcissistic, so yes. <laughs> would, How would you want to be famous? How would you um, want to be famous? Honestly, I'd, honestly, like, and this goes back to Hamilton, I really like theater. If I could just be famous on Broadway without trying, I'd do it in a second, because I feel like that'd be so dope. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. I think I would want to be, like, known, but not, like, famous, you know, like known for doing something, like being like, "Oh, that was cool. That guy did. That that guy See, did." I think, thing. But I, I could still cool like thing. walk down the street and not yeah. be like mobbed. That's the cool thing about Broadway is like, if you're like a super theater nerd, then you know who Broadway stars are. But otherwise, like you can just be down the block and no one will know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I don't think I think I'm okay with not being famous. But like, if I could, it would. I want it to be in a way such that I could like leave the house. You know what? I've always said being a voice actor would be a dream job. And yeah, like dude. nobody recognizes voice actors except for like Tom Kenny, Kenny and Mark Hamill. <laughs> so that's yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Next one is if, if you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the body or mind of a 30 year old, which would you want? So this assumes that if you have the body of a 30 year old, your mind is trash. No, 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 no. It's just like your mind basically mature, like, gets older and, and feels the effects of what it would it would uh what it would do as you got older but your body would be toy okay so i'd rather have the mind of a 30 year old i would rather have the body of a 30 year old no see i'd rather have the mind because one of the worst things that can ever happen to you is you forget the people you love and you don't want to do that that happens to people in their 90s bro <sighs> dementia is a real thing awareness yeah, but like it's not it's not just like oh you're old now you got dementia <laughs> but i'm saying like as the body gets older and the mind gets older, that's a very real thing that can happen. Yeah. But, but also I, like just, just being one more, for, I, I would rather just have the mind of a 30 year old. That way I'm sharper and like more aware of my surroundings. No matter well, how I'd, I'd want a body. body. So I could like, I would have the time and like the thought processes to do new things and be able to do them, you know, I guess, but I think it depends on like how well you keep your body in shape. So like you can have a 90 year old's body and still like be in decent ish shape if you like do the right things, which like I don't. But um, I think that if you like, if you allow yourself to have the mind of a 90 year old, like you're, you're risking it a little bit more. I think you're going down the route of you're going to get a brain disease. No, I just think that, no, because even just if you're old, old people can be forgetful regardless of like what it is. I just think like I would rather like have my mind for sure intact. 
I think by the time that I'm 90, I'm just like, I'm, I lived it. Like, we're it's like I'm about to peace out. Give me yeah, a hot Yeah, it's pod. like, screw it. Like, let's just, let's just have I might fun. be a vegetable, but I'll be a hot one. I'm here for the, a good time, not a long time. Um, and the last one in the first set is, given the choice of anyone in the world, and, it, and you, you can tell it was written by a doctor because they said, whom would you want as a dinner guest? Well. Um, I feel like we've talked about this before. Um, but if I were to pick anybody, I'd probably go with Donald Glover. Um, I very impressed because just like rattling off what I can think of off the top of my head, he put out, I think six major out al- five major albums in an EP. Um, he wrote for multiple comedy shows. He starred in a comedy show. He's done stand up comedy. He's acted in serious movies, had a very big part in a major Star Wars film. He was a voice. He played the voice of, of Miles Morales on a Spider Man cartoon. He, he just has done so many things. Now he's like, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like going to take the Jordan Peele route and start getting into directing. Like, dude is a renaissance man by every definition of it. And he's just so incredible. And I love, I, I could talk to him for hours about anything hmm i think and this is not me getting high and mighty but honestly if i could have anyone to dinner it'd be barack obama i think that would be like the most entertaining and like intellectual conversation you could ever have with a person like in today's world i guess but just overall i just think he's a super cool guy like he's just cool like when you think of barack obama you're like what a cool guy like hey yo barry barry no, yeah let's, like like let's go get some taco bell dog yeah and then like I, I don't know i just feel like he'd be a, a like i feel like he could turn like a five minute conversation into an hour long and i feel like that'd be super cool so probably barack obama word we miss you <laughs> yeah please come back uh, rest in peace 44 he ain't dead i just miss him um <laughs> <laughs> i just hope he's resting after eight years of this country um he's sitting under his own vine and fig tree uh, <laughs> um <laughs> Next, we have the next set, which is where we get a little more personal. Um, first of all, is what do you value most in a friendship? Mm. And I thought about this for a while, and the the thing that the thing that I always like really hate is when people are just like, loyalty is the most important mm-hmm. thing. It's just like, all right, so you're basically just saying like you don't like. But when people say that, their thoughts are, I want them to continue being my friend after things like happen mm-hmm. and never let me go. That's not what that should mean. Where I see that is, and like what I also most value is um, respect to the point where um, if I if I did something that was dumb or stupid or like r- objectively wrong, I'd want my friend to tell me and be like, Hey, you were wrong. And here's how we're going to fix it. You know, no, no, no. Like, so, just so you, mean, did... you mean accountability is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that gets roped in with loyalty, but it's all, I, I want like a friend that is like supports me with what I do. Like is, is proud of me when I, when like good things happen, but at the same time, if bad things are happening, if I'm doing something stupid, just be like, Hey, I respect you and love you. So we're going to, we're going to like, I'm going to tell you that you're an idiot and you're being an asshole right now. So like, it's just, it's, it's just a thing that you got to respect somebody enough to let them know when they're doing either self deprecating or other deprecating things. So hmm. like if I, if I, if I was just a, a being a dick and like you took me aside and you're just like, Hey, you're saying really mean things right now. I'd just be like, you're a good friend because I didn't know I was saying mean things, you know? <laughs> it's it's that whole thing. Like I, I want somebody who respects me enough to do that. Um hmm. 
I think I think for me, and this isn't this isn't loyalty by any stretch of the means. I think it's like I don't know how to say it exactly in one word, but it's like people that are dependability. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. I think like people that are always going to be there for me, no matter like if I need to, like if I have a serious issue or if I have a question about something, if I'm like really troubled by something, knowing that I like someone will always answer the, like will always answer the bell every single time uh, that I ask. I think that's super important Um, because like, you know, you're, you go as far as your friends like help you go essentially. Right. So like you have your family. Yes. But like out that your outer circle are your friends. And if they help you, um, if they're dependable and you can always rely on them, if you have that support system, then you can go very far. Right. 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 Nice. Okay, cool. Uh, the next one is if a crystal ball could tell you the, tr- uh, any truth about yourself, your life or the future, what would you want to know? Which like, I don't like objectively. I don't think I want to know, you know, cause it's always yeah, like, I'd rather know how you die or when you die. It's like, I don't want to know either. Cause yeah. like that would just totally screw with how like I'm living my life. I think exactly. the, the thing I would want to know is like, um, it, it's just gotta be like very, very like, general like i don't want to be like oh, will i be happy because that's just the most arbitrary question of all time because yes. what does that even mean um but i i, I would just want to know that i've like I, I i like i maintained relationships that are meaningful to me now because i always like i always i always cringe at people who are just like yeah i haven't talked to my mom in like 10 years and i'm like i'm i mean if that's the case, it's probably because you had a toxic relationship and I'm really glad that that like toxicity hasn't been happening to you. But like not talking to mom for 10 years, like think that thought like, like makes my like stomach hurt, you know? Mm. So like anything like that, just maintaining relationships with people that I care about now, um, that, that, that'd be something I'd want to know. Uh, I think for me, it's probably, I think there's a, like, I think there's a difference, like, okay, so it's not, will I be happy? I would want to know the question, like, am I comfortable? Because that's such like a, like it can, you can be comfortable in all different areas of your life, but like, am I overall just comfortable? Am I satisfied? Right. If I know that I'm going to be satisfied, then I can just live my life and like do what I want to do and know that like at the end of the day, I'll be okay. You will never be satisfied. You don't know that. God, I hope you're satisfied. <laughs> okay. Shout out to Renee Louise Goldsberry. Anyways, I'm cool. I'm not here for you. Ooh. <laughs> um all right and the last one in this uh in this set is what is your most treasured memory and easy for me um i have a lot of memory like i I, it was it was like difficult picking out amongst because i have a lot of very treasured memories with like certain people but um if I'm, i'm thinking about like a memory that just had it was because of a general experience it was um standing on stage at uh my last dance marathon as an undergrad um just looking out over everybody that we had brought there everybody that was there um in support of uh of the kids at children's national um standing up there with the people that i had spent hundreds of hours with over the past year uh finally like it, it not that not that it was done but it was like a we did it kind of thing and that was just it, it it made me think of you know that scene in Hamilton where they're like standing on the on the crates during Yorktown they're like we won we won mm-hmm. um, I, I said that as like a as like a weird joke because we had stopped talking about Hamilton but anyways uh, 
Uh-huh. You didn't react, so I was like, all right, Hunter. I was um, thinking. I was thinking. That, I think back to that, especially because Katie, whenever she brings it up, I, she was like, I saw it looking at you, and I'm just like, I wonder if he's going to cry. And then you lifted up your number and started sobbing. I'm like, oh, yeah, he cries. It's like, yeah, that was an emotional moment. But that's probably my most cherished memory. I think mine is when uh, a person we both know, Andrew Nash, came up to me at Images Training and said to me that I was the – so not the reason that he came to Maryland, but the reason that he stayed – because he did not want to go to Maryland and hated it so much. But at orientation, uh, I don't no memory of him. Don't know what I did. But apparently I changed his mind somehow and showed him that it was a great place to be. And then he ended up applying for images. And now he's like basically in charge of the whole dang thing. So um, I don't know. It's just like those little seeds of like creating difference in other people's lives. That was, that was, and that was like a moment. I've never experienced something like that where someone's like, yeah, I didn't want to go here. And you completely changed my mind and said like, yeah, you should be here. And I agree with you. And now I love it. And I want to give everything I can to it. So that was, that was probably, probably a top two moment for me. That's Andrew. Yeah. I love you. Andrew. 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 Um, cool. Andrew Nash. <laughs> Andrew Nash Nash. <laughs> okay. Um, and finally, we're getting into uh, the three, the top tier, the most personal questions. Am I going to cry? So don't hold back. Probably not, but don't hold back. Um, what, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? And I have a lot of opinions about this in terms of um, my, my initial reaction was people complaining about PC culture ruining, um, ruining comedy, which is the most absurdly ridiculous accusation. You Dumb have. argument. Because it's like, oh, if you can't make a joke without being offensive, you're not funny. That's just the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, I think like if it's something that like, like, yeah, like everybody needs to learn to laugh at themselves, in my opinion. If you're just being blatantly ignorant and like saying absurdly like racist, sexist, like xenophobic crap that is is just tacky and not like it's so uninspired. Like sure. it's not funny. It's just like you're just being an asshole and expecting to get a laugh out of it. It's just like, whoa, bro, it's just a joke. I think the best like, like no, dude, you're oppressing tons of people when you do that. I, I think the best example is whenever John Mulaney makes jokes about um about his Jewish wife. Because, like, they're not, like, it's not like, <laughs> Jews, uh, Jews like money. It's like, not well, it's, not, it's not like, it's not like Jews are bad because they're Jewish. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, I used to date Gentile women and then they wouldn't say anything. But then my Jewish girlfriend's like, my stomach hurts. Like, that's a funny way to, like, introduce that kind of subject. Mm-hmm. So, I, it's not that I don't think anything is too serious to be joked about because I absolutely do uh, think that. But it's like you got to know how to turn take something like could that could be tragic or could be offensive and spin it in a way that it's like it's it's it can be absorbed by like anybody who would be like uh taking in that media Mm -hmm. uh well i do i do agree with you i'm like yes that's true Uh, i also think that um uh i think that overall issue of consent but also rape should never be joked about ever ever um i've heard many comedians like joke about that before and it's immediately uncomfortable because i'm like you're literally making a joke out of like the the you know traumatizing actions of someone else it's one of the worst things you could do yeah like the traumatic experiences in someone else's life and i'm like like you're when something like that happens to a woman man whoever it is like 
you're you're like ripping apart like their humanity essentially and making a joke out of it and i'm like that's like you're a garbage human if you make jokes about that and whenever i hear that i immediately turn it off and i'm like absolutely not this is such trash and i hate it and essentially people that do that if you do that you have you got to rethink your actions there a little bit because you're turning down a dark path that you don't want to go down dave portnoy yeah um yeah so basically just don't be an asshole just just be funny yeah um okay the next one is uh your house containing everything you own catches fire after saving your loved ones and pets you have time to safely make a final dash to save any one item what would it be and why this was a really easy one for me um i have a bag of uh there there's two sets of notes in my closet and the first set of notes is um notes from my committee members when i when i most of most of the emotional moments of my life were involved Terp, with, um, of course they do but uh notes from my committee members um like after the like the year we went through and i'm like i'm not trying to be like self-congratulating when i'm doing this but like it just like seeing like how because i was always afraid that like i i screwed stuff up I, I i made the made the experience like not what it needed to be i didn't do all that i could but like just seeing their reaction to what i uh what i had my efforts essentially it was it was just i didn't read them for like a week because i knew i was gonna break down sobbing and i did anyways but um and the other thing was at one of our executive board meetings that we had a uh basically a day that we were like, we got to figure out what hope means to us. And we all just spent like 30 minutes, like writing down uh, different, like, uh, like little quotes or just like explanations on what the word hope possibly means. And then we all stuck them up on the board and we all read them. And then we got to take home ones that like meant especially much to us. And that was just a very tough like period of my life. So that was a very meaningful area. And anytime that I'm struggling and need some, need some pick me ups, I I go and read those. So uh, it was, thank you. Thank thank you, Marilyn. Thank you. Terpon. Terpon. For me, there is a, uh, it's not a poster. It's a, it's a framed, like, you know, those framed things you find at like target or whatever that have like the different, like, sayings on them that are like you know live laugh love like those things yeah 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 so i have one of those that my mom gave to me when i went to college um and it says into each day put one teaspoon of good spirits a dash of fun pinch of folly and a heap full of laughter uh and if anyone knows who i am knows that that is basically my personality in a nutshell is i just like to have a good time and i think that wasting your time on negative energy if it's not if it's not going to serve you worth it like in the long term if it's not going to be a worthwhile purpose in the long term you should just enjoy yourself be happy and spread positivity um and so i'd probably save that because my mom gave it to me because she saw it and she thought of me and i thought that that was not to get super wholesome on you but uh i thought that that was like you know that was like a moment where someone like understood like my mantra and what i mean so probably that is what i would grab nice it was either that or the stanley cup ring but i have pictures of that so it's fine (laughs) Um, and the final one, gonna get heavy. If you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I I had to think a long time about this, but it's going to sound like a cop out answer, but it's absolutely true. Um, and it's going to sound a little ridiculous because I was a young kid, but my mom always told me that when I was in fourth grade, I like just hated 
every obligation that I had to do. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to go to baseball practice. I didn't want to go to football practice. I just didn't want to do anything. And the worst of which was school. I just did not want to do it. I probably had some like weird, like fixation on like uh, being told to do things and only wanting to do what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. Because of course I did. I was a kid, but I had a teacher and her name was Miss Kepner. And she was like perceived by everybody as the mean one, just because she wasn't like, spoonful of sugar you know she was just like a normal person treating us like adults and mm-hmm. so everyone's like oh she's mean but like i look back at those t- and probably at that time i probably thought that same thing but looking back at it like it, it she was just the first teacher that i had that seemed to actually give a crap about her kids and like rather than caught or swiping in going till three and then going home to grade papers she like actually wanted us to be engaged in the in the what we were learning and the stuff that we were doing and uh, I always like for years after I've always wanted to be like, I need to send her an email and just thank her and whatever. And um, I, I just never got the opportunity. And then, then she, I'm sure she's retired by now. She was old when um, she was older. I don't want to say she was old. She was older when, when I had her. So that was just by like 43. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that was like 13, 14 years ago. So um, Ms. Kepner, if you're happening to listen to this, um, thank you for everything. You're, you were, Still one of my favorite teachers. Hmm. This is a tough one. Um, I don't necessarily want to go down the same road and be like, a teacher, yay. Uh, well, but- I, I'm trying to think of like, of like people that I had a falling out with, but it's, I'm, just, I'm just like in the moment of like, I've said everything I need to say, you know? Mm. It's like, I, I don't regret not saying that. Probably I would regret like, like uh, not telling like the people I love that I love them enough, but that's... I mean, obviously that's... Yeah. <laughs> Um, mm, mm, this is a tough one, Derek. You really, dude, it's get we're getting intimate with our viewers as well. Nailed me in the forehead, whatever. Shut up, god. Yeah, you don't watch a podcast. Uh, you can, I mean, you could, but it is that really more fun. Um, huh, this is difficult. Um, Keep talking while I think of this. So, um, it, it was the year of 1776 in the city of New York City. We got to stop um, this. Was... <laughs> uh, okay, I can't think of anybody else, so I'm just gonna go with this one. I think that okay. So this, so my theater. This is gonna sound so blech, theater kid, but um, my theater director in high school when I first, so when I first went out my freshman year, and I wanted to be on crew. I didn't know if I wanted to be on set crew or publicity crew. Um, I just knew I wanted to be involved with the drama department in some way. Um, didn't really have much interest in theater. I didn't really care that much, but she was the one that like convinced me to get like, basically she took me under her wing and was like, you have the potential to be an absolute leader. Like you, you like, you know, might not be the smartest person, might not be the most effective at whatever it is you do, but you have the ability to like make, not make, but like the ability to encourage others to do, um, what it is to be the best person they can be, even if it means like, you know, sacrificing your own self a little bit. And she was like, so I, essentially she like showed me through theater, like how to be a better leader, a better person, um, and how to make the people around me be a lot better. Um, and how to, you know, unite people towards a common goal and people that are, you know, are at, at odds with each other and kind of like come in the middle and be like, okay, it might not be exactly what you want, but this is where we're going. Um, and just kind of like shaping that unified goal. And uh, I never like actually like laid that out to her and like told her that, but essentially the, the reason that 
if I hadn't joined the drama department, I'd be in a very different place in my life if I hadn't been like convinced to stay and convinced to like have more leadership roles, et cetera. Um, but she basically like showed me by giving me the freedom I needed to like become my own person, like basically let me become who I am today and let me mold myself rather than someone tell me how to do it. Uh, and so I never, never told her that. So uh, we're on a first name basis now. So Jana, if you're listening to this, I appreciate you for all that you gave me. So amazing. Well, cool. That's all I have. If, uh, if no, anybody, I'm crying. yeah, if anybody wants to get more intimate, there's approximately 27 more questions, um, stuff that could take up multiple episodes of this podcast. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I hope you know a little bit more about us. Um, know that it's cool to share your feelings and, uh, um, always help you get closer to somebody. So with that, uh, that's all I really had for, for this episode. Um, and as we always do, wrapping it up, uh, who do you want to send some love to in this week's edition of Crisis Averted? Love you said wrapping it up there. Right, did I? You did. <laughs> Redo, we got to really do the whole thing. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so this week I'm sending some love to uh, all my friends out there who have or know people that are battling COVID-19 because I feel like we kind of, not we, but like, a lot of people just kind of forgot about it. Like it doesn't exist. Um, it definitely does. So be safe. If you were near the university of Maryland and are a student or faculty, they're giving out free testing on Tuesday and Wednesday. So yeah, you sent that out and I'm like, heck yeah. And then I was like, Oh, I'm not a student anymore. I mean, it let Maya do it. So it might let you, you never know. Good point. You just log in with your director ID and password. So we haven't updated it. Okay. Oh no, it got a, it got <laughs> oh, did it get canceled like two weeks ago. Yikes. Um, but yeah, so I'm getting tested on Tuesday. So shout out everyone that is battling this terrible, terrible disease. Um, this terrible virus. Uh, it is disrupting our way of life, but until we have a vaccine or a way to fight it properly, just keep plugging through um, and know that at some point it'll all be okay as long as we don't have the giant moron in office keep doing what he's doing. So also vote in November. Derek, who do you got? Um, well, first of all, as I always do um, uh, to Katie, because she's fixing up her broken hip. So good job. Um, Broke it did. I know, I know it. I know it hurts, but you're doing great. The next one for like the second or third week in a row, um, I've got to shout out the man uh, Winslow Joy uh, because he 3D printed me this little figurine of Tom Nook, and it's awesome. Oh yeah, he gave, me that, he, he gave me that testudo. Shout out Win. Yeah, shout out Win. This I, I just have him chilling on my desk now. He's watching me while I do my work. He's dope. I love when him. You, when Thank you're listening you, to this on Saturday morning. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again for being our most loyal viewers. Um, and shout out to everybody that um, is in, is, was on the production team for Animal Crossing New Horizons because you have really taken a lot of stress off of my life just from catching bugs and sitting on stumps. So thanks to that, man. Um, but with that, Hunter, any final words? I'm starting The Last of Us in a few days, so uh, come back soon. <laughs> I'm so excited. teaser there. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, for episode 23 of Quarter Life Crisis, I have been Drek here with my co-host Hunter. Wishing you a fond farewell. We'll see you next time. Bye.